I think our old way of thinking was like make a list of all the things that are broken. And when it's time to fix stuff, we'll go fix all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And instead having the mindset of, Hey, what can we fix now? Even in just processes, right? Mm -hmm. Like nothing to do with software, but just how can we make a process better? Welcome to the operate podcast, where we give you a behind the scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. Bank Tech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams of those companies to maximize the impact they can have in community banks and for their respective businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate and invest in the future or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to Bank Tech Ventures at banktechventures.com. My guest today is Heath Fountain, who became president and CEO of Colony Bank about five years ago. He's actively led the bank in a number of areas of innovation and digital transformation, which we'll discuss today. Prior to that, he led Planter's First Bank and drove growth there through both new markets and new lines of business. And then prior to that, he was also CFO of Heritage Financial Group and Heritage Bank of the South. Heath has been a banker for quite a while, and I'm excited to record this conversation with him as I always enjoy the ones that we have. Heath, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Kerry. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's start... Uh, the banking landscape has clearly gone through some uh, some interesting times already this year. So let's let's start with what I'll call your thoughts on the current state of community banking and uh, Colony Bank as well, which is the largest community bank in Georgia. How are you feeling about community banking right now? Well, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the economy and with the rate environment we have. But I think this turmoil we've seen, you know, the real concern over liquidity that's happening as a big opportunity, really, for for us at Colony, for the community banking industry. I, I certainly think things are going to change and they're going to be a little bit different. Uh, there's going to be some different things we have to track, monitor, and measure, especially around liquidity and funding. Um, but I think, you know, the community bank industry in general has had such a solid, core, stable funding base. I think the value of that's really being seen right now and the opportunity, you know, during uncertain times to have that steady funding base really gives uh, or allows banks, uh, community banks to have a lot of opportunity. Mm. You know, bank most banks have this multi-year strategic planning process that they go through, right? And partly, I think, to what you were just saying, this historically stable and predictable business with what's happened over the last few months, have you made any changes to your strategic plan this year? We, we do a five-year strategic plan and we roll that every year. So at any given time, you know, we have a five-year strategic plan out there, but then we have operating priorities, you know, throughout the year mm-hmm. and then throughout the quarter. And we have shifted those. I mean, I think generally, 
we may get back to, or we will get back to some of the core long-term things we want to do, like grow eight to 12% a year. That's one of our things we, you know, we want to always do, but like in this environment, we're certainly seeing our customers pull back some. Mm. And I think for us as a bank, you know, we, our loan to deposit ratios in the seventies, we were looking or in the low seventies, we were looking to move it up to 80, 85% over a few years. And now I'm thinking that's not going to happen as quickly. Um, mm-hmm. We certainly want to be more cognizant of being able to align our growth of deposits uh, and loans more evenly. I think in the near term, at least until we, um, kind of see where the liquidity in the industry is going. So um, that would be the biggest thing. I mean, we certainly are, are also just uh, more actively seeking deposits mm-hmm. just from a um, stability standpoint and just from a standpoint of ensuring that we keep that funding base in place. Sure. Well, that's a good transition. I mean, we, we've recently had our annual Bank Tech Ventures summit and you know with nearly a hundred banks there and and talking about things like fintech and digitalization and and we were even talking about this competitive deposit environment and uh, as i think one of the the bankers there said it's probably the most competitive environment we've seen since probably the 1980s so uh, for some younger bankers probably the first time or or most competitive environment they've seen in their career but it is an opportunity for for community banks who want to go compete. How are you feeling about that? Like, what are what are you doing to be unique and different? And obviously, you guys have been, and we'll talk more about this. But you guys have been a early and aggressive adopter of new ideas, new technology. Are you using that to help you as well? Yeah, you know, I, I probably feel better about our ability to compete. Than I, than I have in a long time. And, and I'd say that for Colony Bank, but I also think for the community banking industry, because, you know, the adoption time to take something and put it in place, mm-hmm. you know, um, is quicker. The options, you know, there are other options out there now besides let me get with my core vendor and see what they can do and what they can roll out in 18 months or whatever, you know, it takes so long. So the, the FinTech ecosystem, I think allows us uh, to compete, um, to have better products and services that are more comparable um, maybe to what more comparable to the bigger banks than mm-hmm. what, what we've been able to offer in the past, you know, as, as far as for us in particular, you know, we've been building an infrastructure to do that. And so we, we're not quite there and, and and able to turn as many new things, but we're on the cusp of that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I couldn't think of a, a better time because I do think this has opened up people's eyes to how fast money can move. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even for me, I, I didn't realize like that there's this U.S. Treasury direct program as a consumer I went up and signed up in five minutes and you can, you know, buy T-bills right out of your mm-hmm. checking account. And so, you know, uh, and the Apple savings account or Goldman mm-hmm. Sachs, you know, like, but we can do those kind of things as community banks. We can have niche products and things like that that are easy too. And so I, I think people's eyes are open into that and I'm hopeful, you know, I think we're 
further along than many. And so we're going to be able to roll out these innovative and easy uh, products. But um, I think the industry's eyes have been opened a little bit to say, hey, we, we've got to uh, we got to do something. There's easier ways to do business than maybe with them with my bank, the way I'm set up. Well, so many really interesting comments there, Heath. So I'm, I'm going to pepper you maybe with a few quick follow-up questions here. So yeah. first one, you talk about this idea of quicker adoption time, which I totally agree with. There's been so much software and so much technology built in just the last decade. The cost of it, to develop it, the cost to use it, roll it out, all this just continues to shrink by the day. I'm, I'm curious because I don't think that perspective is broadly shared amongst your peers that this quicker adoption time, I think people still plan for these 12 month or, you know, multi-month type of, of projects. What got you to see that you can do these things much faster? So I, I, let's start there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, one thing I think is just educating ourselves. I mean, mm -hmm. um, talking to folks uh, and I think one good thing y'all done with the bank tech ventures, you know, been able to meet some more innovative banks that are doing things mm -hmm. more quickly. And I think one of the things I've realized is that, you know, we can roll things out in pieces, you know, the, the days of the long implementation mm -hmm. and, and even in those long implementations, you still don't, you can't think of everything. And so you're mm -hmm. still going back and doing so this, iterative process mm -hmm. of, you know, roll out a piece, fix what's broken, roll out the next piece. I mean, it can be done. Um, I do think, you know, you kind of have to get away maybe from some of the old providers in some way to mm -hmm. do that, get that mindset. But I really think it's just a mindset of let's move quick. No, we can't get the whole thing out at one time, but let's get a piece out that'll move the needle, mm -hmm. you know, quickly. Oh, it's super. I, as you said, that mindset, once you adopt it, I, I shared this uh, when we were in Chicago that, you know, I had not, I've been in the software industry for 25 years and I haven't been involved in a waterfall type of project, which does presume, you know, upfront all the answers for well over 20 years. It's been <laughs> agile, which is iterative and much smaller, faster rollouts for the last 20 plus years. And it's great to see that, uh, you know, progressive bankers like you are really starting to adopt that. And it's not just about software. It's a way to run a business in a that, very right. iterative process as well. Yeah, we, we try to think about it, not just in terms of like, how do we roll out some new big thing, but how can mm -hmm. we do that, you know, in, internally? And I, I think our old way of thinking was like make a list of all the things that are broken and when it's time to fix stuff we'll go fix all that stuff mm -hmm. and instead having the mindset of hey what can we fix now yeah. even in just processes right mm -hmm. like nothing to do with software but just how can we make a process better that's ah, so good well second thing you talk about infrastructure and that you have really started to invest in a new type of infrastructure can you share a little bit more there because i think that goes a long way. I could tell from your answer that it's just giving you this sense of confidence that you're going to be able to do a lot of things with that as well. Yeah. So what we decided 
is that we needed to have our own our, our ownership of our data mm-hmm. and we needed to have better control over how we interface with that because so many of the providers uh the fintechs out there have these great products but you need to tap into to that in some way and so we're almost done building out kind of this middle api middleware uh data layer so that we can tap uh we can work with partners to tap into it uh that way instead of going to our core provider to get access to the data and i think what that's going to allow and that goes both ways we can put stuff in and we can Mm -hmm. pull stuff out of our core system that way and what i think that's going to allow us to do it's going to allow us to do things quicker and uh less expensively so that you know, part of this whole thing is trying stuff. I mean, we're going to launch some things that don't work out and that's mm-hmm. okay. I, I mm-hmm. think in the past, what bankers, and I know I've been guilty of it, you spend so much money investing in something new, you realize somewhere along the way that it's not working, but you just keep pouring more after sure. it because you've invested so much in it. Uh, and instead, what we want to do is we want to try stuff. And if it's not working, you know, maybe we scrap that or maybe mm-hmm. we modify that. And if we have control over that and spend less on the front end, I think, you know, we can feel better about scrapping a project that's not sure. working and moving on to the next thing. Oh, that's yeah, that's so, so productive. That portfolio approach, uh, to your point is, you know, there, there's definitely a, a mentality in in my at least my world of uh if you're not every once in a while failing you're probably not trying enough things and so right. i think that uh in controlled environments is a uh and in controlled budgets is a much better way to to uh move forward so i'm i'm very excited for you last thing i thought was really interesting in your comments when you mentioned things like treasury direct and the apple savings account which shows me that you're out looking at what others are doing and what else is out there, what, what has led you down that path of just being curious and, and seeing what else is happening in the world around you? Yeah. You know, I I think as I talk to people and as I got involved, like with bank tech ventures and other things we're involved in, and even like uh, ICBA is doing Mm -hmm. a great job of this on the innovation side and CBA community bankers association of Georgia is part of ICBA is doing that as well. Just kind of getting exposure to what's out there. I think, you know, you got to have people in the bank trying stuff and see what other people are doing. Um, You know, some of those things we want to imitate some of those Mm -hmm. things we want to try and say, Hey, don't make it like that. You know, that was a real burden. Um, or that didn't work. And so I, I think it's in really important to see what all is out there because, you know, we, we don't want to find that out by finding we lost a bunch of our customers to something, right? We want to sure. we want to know what all's out there and how we can build stuff better and make everything a, a better experience for our, for our customers. That's so, so helpful. I think uh, there's a lot of value that people are going to take from that perspective, you know, from where I sit, I I am impressed because I don't think it's common that you have this really strong point of view around how important innovation and change, and you just talked about it, in improving the experience for your customers, for example, 
and really trying to be a leader there. Um, you know, what what is it that got you to this place where you said, you know, we need to be a leader in improving that experience for our customers? Well, you know, I mean, I've always been somebody that believes in, you know, change. I, I have a good friend who always said at his bank, you know, if, if somebody didn't like things, he always told them, just wait a minute, because it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And and I believe in that. But I, I think what uh, through uh, through COVID and the lockdown, and I think you just had this faster adoption mm-hmm. of digital by groups of people that were sort of forced to adopt it. And, and I think that people maybe don't recognize, but I think it's just creating this snowball effect and, and it's going to change even more rapidly. I mean, everybody knows things always change, but I think the, the pace of change, the speed of change um, it is just, it's really hit me. And, and I look at, at uh, what's going on in the fintech landscape and just how people um, are evolving there it's kind of like it's the biggest thing since I think the internet just in terms of, of, you know, it's coming and it's going to change things rapidly and you can either experience it um, and, and grapple onto it to part to propel you and to thrive. But I think at a minimum, you're going to have to adopt a certain amount just to survive. And Mm -hmm. so to me, you know, you got to adopt some to survive. But for us, we want to thrive. How can we use it to, to, to make our company better, make our experience better? And, and I just see it as this, like, we've never had this kind of leverage, um, you know, in, in the banking industry at, at our level. You know, when you look at the bigger banks and how efficient they are, they are leveraging their customer base they are utilizing every potential way to do business with somebody and as community banks we're only capturing a fraction of that and there's opportunity for us we're trusted by our customers mm-hmm. you know we 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 are good at hand holding our customers through things and if we can adopt that you know and leverage that technology like the bigger banks have we can have the kind of efficiency returns they have without the scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a huge opportunity. Super interesting. Well, one of the topics that, that I find I, I discuss with, with bankers a lot is this topic of quote unquote community. And I think for a long time, community was generally a singular definition for most banks, which was the geography that they were in or that their network of branches uh, primarily served. And, you know, as you think about Colony Bank and the digitalization of what's happened, has that caused you to rethink community and what that definition might expand to or change to within your bank? Yeah, I, I think this is a big concept that, that community banks need to embrace. I think certainly for us, geography was always, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. how you thought about a community. But now I think that um, we're trying to morph that more into a community being a group of people who have a certain attribute or mm-hmm. trying to accomplish a certain thing. Um, small business owners or niche businesses or 
or whatever. I mean, even like we have a sizable mortgage business and, mm-hmm. you know, in that you have a constituency, it's home buyers. We also, we get most of our business from referrals from realtors. So how can we help those groups? It's not necessarily even a product, right? It's, it's okay. How can we educate this community, this group? How can we make um, uh, the outcome they're seeking better and by doing that, we grow this, this community. Um, and so, and, and it's less geographic bound now, right? I mean, we don't have mm-hmm. to be in the market, you know, to serve that market. And so I, I think it opens up a humongous opportunity um, for us. And, and, and thinking about that community, it also causes you to focus less on, I think, the product and mm-hmm. more on the outcome. Like, mm. you know, for years, it's like, we're in the mortgage business. It's about a mortgage loan, a mortgage loan. No, it's not. It's about a house. They don't want, mm-hmm. you know, our end user doesn't want a mortgage loan. They want a home. That's right. And so how do we help them get through that? That And if you get really good at those, why, uh, why tie yourself down to a geography, you know, when whatever that is you're good at, you can open that up to a whole community that needs that service. Sure. Ah, well, he definitely, I get a good sense of your vision, but I'd love for you, you know, how do you think about the future vision of uh, your bank? And, you know, that you, you, you talked about, you know, pushing more to outcomes, pushing more to uh, communities based on affinity or attributes. But as you think about where, where will Colony be five, 10 years from now in your, your mind? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And one I get a lot and, and one our team wants to know mm-hmm. a lot, of like, course. where are we going? How yeah. will we know when we got there? And, you know, I, I try to say we'll, we'll never know because we'll never mm. be there. It's about the journey really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the growth is really important. I just feel like, um, we need to always be growing and expanding. Um, if, if you're not, you're, you're kind of, if you're not growing, you're, you're dying. Hmm. Um, and, and when I say growth, I mean, in terms of our, our, our team, our, our team members, our shareholders, you know, all our constituencies need to benefit from the growth. It can't be weighted um, too much you know, from one to the other, but mm-hmm. I don't look at it as we need to get to X size. Sure. I really look at it as we need to be doing more. We need to be providing more services for every customer. So the future really, you know, we're in a lot of rural communities and we like that. We want to stay. And that's our, our heritage. I grew up mm-hmm. in a small town. Um, we want to, but, but the, the future is that we're going to be serving those customers more. We're going to be doing more with them. We're going to be sort of the go-to place for them when they have a financial need or a major need in their life. We're going to be able to help them. And that's what I envision. It's not necessarily about being X more markets or being a certain mm-hmm. size. It's really about how are we better serving the customers that we already have and then it becomes exponential if you're able to do acquisitions or go into a new market, you know, instead of getting just taken over the business that was had by the prior institution, you're able to take that and then expand it into this broader group of products and services. And so 
where that takes us exactly, I don't know um, in size, but what I hope it does is it makes us more efficient and that we're better serving a, the, the set of customers that we have. Hmm. Do you feel like the infrastructure investment and sort of willingness to, to be a little earlier to adopt some things will give you a big advantage as you continue to both serve those customers, but also grow over time? I, I do think it will. Um, you know, I've always been a believer in investing in infrastructure. I mean, in a regulated industry, it's mm-hmm. so important, you know, that you keep up with that growth. And so what I think we can see on top of that is once we have that base and once we're able to add to it, just exponential growth uh, on top of that. And, and some of that are things that don't require as much capital. For example, we're in the merchant services business mm-hmm. where it, it's not capital intensive, but it's costly to get going. But once, you know, it's recurring revenue, and it's something that customers uh, need and aren't happy with a lot of times their current mm-hmm. merchant services providers. So I think for us, we're going to see this kind of, we've seen this expense, uh, you know, of building that, but we're going to see some exponential growth off of that as we really get better at marketing that and cross-selling our customer base. Mm. How you know, we, we, we talked about kind of this redefinition of community and you, you talked about a lot of the rural communities that you you historically have served. How how closely are you following just economic and market trends in those geographies and and whether it's movement from cities to suburbs or rural to uh, more urban communities? How, how close are you following that to really determine where you want to be? Because I, I think that's another trend just in our country that's fascinating to to follow. It, it, it really is. And I stay very involved. I mean, last week I was at a, a rural development conference mm-hmm. um, that, that the Georgia Chamber does. Um, I, it's something we really watch because we're in a lot of communities. A lot of our communities have seen, you know, population either declines or growth rates that are really, really slow. Um, but what we've seen is a little bit uh, of a revitalization mm-hmm. go on. I mean, I think, again, back to um, through what COVID experience went through, we're seeing in a lot of our smaller markets this revival where people have seen that maybe the urban, mm-hmm. you know, uh, lifestyle isn't as glamorous uh, as it once was. And, you know, so we're seeing uh, some growth in pockets there. Um, certainly our markets that are near the coast mm-hmm. uh, have seen a lot of growth and they are suburban markets already, but they're seeing more growth. So it's really interesting to see. And I, I think it's not done. Um, I think we're going to see see more of that. And so uh, it's exciting to see because in some of our smaller markets, it's kind of the first wave of revitalization that's happened maybe since the 80s or 90s. And mm-hmm. so it's uh, really uh, exciting to see. It almost feels like across the country, that's an opportunity for community banks to really play a leadership role in many cases. Well, it absolutely is because in most of these markets, you either don't have a lot of the national or regional banks mm-hmm. or you know the national or regional bank presence in that market 
is just so small compared to what it was. But what's happened a lot of times is that regional or national bank market share is still pretty large considering that they have such little presence there. And so that that's for, for us, we've been able to grow in markets where our growth rates exceeded the market's growth rate because um, you're seeing a lack of investment by some of the bigger banks in those markets. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true across the country. You know, it's not just the, the, the markets we're in in Georgia. It's, it's all across the country. And so, you know, I think we have the ability to have bankers feet on the ground in some of these markets, see what's going on and a higher comfort level of stepping out there and making a loan, you know, uh, or, or connecting them with SBA or other, you know, there's tons of rural mm-hmm. resources that are out there, tax credits and all kinds of things and connecting people to those so that they can uh, fulfill whatever their dream is in some of this revitalization. Super interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, and, and appreciate the, the leadership role you're, you're playing there, but excited to see that happening, um, you know, coming from a small town as well, like I did. And um, I, w- I would love nothing more than to see that town really revitalize in in the coming years. So let's let's turn a little bit to I'll say your peers. You know, you you know a lot of community banks uh, within your state and across the country. I mean, we still have over four thousand community banks in the U.S., but as you know, most I would say aren't keeping up. And there is this, as as you even alluded to earlier, there's sort of this survival and relevance level and then this you know for those who really want to thrive in the years ahead the opportunity i think you and i both believe it is there you know what is it if you were to say the key things you think are holding certain banks or senior leaders of banks back what is it that you see consistently that you think holds them back from not embracing this digital future Yeah, I I think there's probably some level of uh, thought out there that like what we're seeing is a fad, you Mm. know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, these things are going to come in and they're going to go away. Um, So I think there's some some of that. And I think there's some just complacency of, hey, look, if we give good service and we take care of our customers you know, then that's going to, that's going to take care of everything. And, and, and obviously that's very important, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know like we, we've done some things to just like comb through our customer base and look and see, like, look through your transactions and see how many people are doing business with Square mm-hmm. and Venmo and, and how many people are getting direct loans that you didn't even realize your quote unquote loyal small business customer but, but when you realize that how easy things are and, and like, you know, they can go, I mean, we, we got small business customers. They're really busy. We're open from what, eight to five. I mean, they're working and uh, they need a, equipment. They can go online and get an equipment financed, you know, in a day. And, and we're going to ask them for all these financials and all this stuff. And yeah, maybe we're going to give them a better rate, but they need to buy something right then, or they've got mm-hmm. an opportunity to buy a piece of used equipment or buy something from a competitor who's shrinking while they're growing. The fact that it's at a higher rate doesn't is, is irrelevant. 
And, and so I, I think there's just, uh, it goes back to that concept we were talking about earlier. It's speed and efficiency. It, it, it's, it's here to stay and, and it's, uh, you know, good service and good products. I just don't think are enough anymore um, to thrive. You've got to be, uh, you know, or, or maybe I, I should say different good service may def be defined really differently. Different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay. not handholding them through a, a long 60 day process that's unnecessary you know, it's instead finding a better way to deliver it faster to them. Mm -hmm. And and I just think it's it's here to stay. And this is even before kind of this AI revolution we're sure. getting into, it, it comes into play. Well, I, I think there's so much value in just even that comment on, hey, you know, the bank is eight to five and we'll pray, we'll give you great service from eight to five. But if the customer needs that service at 10 p.m. and they can get it from a chat bot online at 10 p.m. That feels like good service to them versus somebody else when they're in the mind of needing to do it. And I think just your recognition of that puts you at a huge advantage because now you can start to design solutions for people right. that, that are going to do their banking at maybe what historically were off hours. Right. No. And, and and that's when, I mean, the, the best customers, the, the folks that are movers and shakers, I mean, they're busy, you know, mm -hmm. they're dealing with their customers during that meet of the day, right? Um, yep. Need to be able to serve them in different ways and at different times. That's right. Well, what, one of the other things I hear often is just this almost paralysis that some banks or bankers have where they say, I'm getting solicitations from just dozens and dozens of companies that all are promising me the world. Many of them sound the same and it's just noisy. And, you know, you, you clearly have shown a successful ability to sift through and find the ones that are meaningful to you and Colony Bank. What, what do you feel like you're doing to do that successfully? Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, I mean, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. it, it's also uh, easy to get like shiny object syndrome sure. or FOMO yep. and just, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden you're you're developing solutions to problems that you don't have, right? Mm -hmm. um, because there is so much out there. I think involvement in, um, you know, like Bank Tech Ventures, trying to involve yourself in these communities where you have peers to talk to about things, you're vetting things as a group, you're, you're getting multiple other people, you know, involved is really big. I mean, what one of the things we've, we've tried to do is say, look, like, we're, we're not really interested in, like, this unsolicited, um, you know, uh, uh, thing that comes in we, we want to be out there discovering things discovering multiple uh things not just look for one solution you know let's let's get a competitive situation let's look at several products and services let's don't just find something and then say oh that's great because you don't know what else is out there mm -hmm. um and of course we've hired uh, you know we have a chief innovation officer and, and it's really part of his job is to just always be cultivating these things and bringing things up, you know, hearing what the challenges are in the bank and, and bringing solutions, you know, that's been extremely helpful. Um, Cause I think, it, it, you know, prior to 
this mindset at Colony and with me, you know, we, we were, we would fall into the, hey, our core provider has called us up with this new product they have and, oh, isn't going to make great things better. And, you know, we get it implemented only to find out, well, there were maybe some better ways we could have done that. So, I mean, that's what we're doing. I, I think, you know, people, uh, bankers should just immerse themselves in the stuff. There is no shortage of, um, you know, industry events and what, like I said earlier, like ICBA is doing. You know, there's a lot of ways to learn about stuff and get yourself familiar with what's out there. Well, thank you for for sharing that. You know, one of the things that I, I appreciate about you, you're you're just so open and and real, Heath, which I think is such a great set of traits for a leader. You know, when go going back to let's just talk about you for a bit. What when did you first start to realize you were a leader? <laughs> well, it, I tell you, that's a great question. And I even have a hard time, honestly, just thinking of myself as a leader. I mean, like, sure. uh, which is, you know, again, another attribute that humility well, is, is, uh, is endearing to a lot of people. Well, I, I tell you, I mean, I think, you know, maybe when I was at Heritage and I first kind of moved up the controller and CFO role, you know, I think I started to realize like, you know, uh, wow, there's a lot of responsibility here. It's mm -hmm. got a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed families, mm -hmm. you know, team members, their families counting on, you know, their loved one that works for the bank. And so it's a little bit overwhelming to realize, uh, the, the amount, uh, of, of responsibility you have. But I think really, you know, as I look back, what I wish I'd realized a little sooner, is that you're a leader sooner. Like, you know, I tell our team, if you got, if, if you're a big brother, you know, or a big sister, you're a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody is looking up to you to see what you do. And so for, for me, it's really about how do we, how do we exhibit that? What can we do to help, you know, bring our team members up? How do we, demonstrate uh, things. How do we communicate? Um, I, I do a weekly leadership call with our, with our team, uh, you know, like uh, I guess it's probably 80 or 90 leaders in the company, but we record that. They can ask questions live, but we record that. Anybody in the company can watch that mm -hmm. um, later so that they can develop as a leader. Um, but, but somebody on my team, one of my, uh, people that helps me put something at the top of my sheet I use to make my notes for that call. And it says, as a leader, setting the direction and keeping the team focused is your job. Mm. And that actually came from a book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier. And so I just try to always remember that, like, it's my job to set the direction and keep people focused. So that's how I think about leadership. So good. Well, as you think about your own personal development, any, you know, you just mentioned a, a book, uh, you know, any any key things that you do to keep yourself on that growth and learning journey? Yeah, I do read a lot. I mean, okay. uh, as a kid, I did not. And I, I even in the summers, I used to pay my sister to read my books for me and help me with my book reports <laughs> um, for summer reading. 
but but I've grown to really like to read. Um, and so I'm constantly reading not only I, I read leadership books, but also read, you know, a lot of daily industry stuff, Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal, other things. I just want to know what's going on. I don't like being surprised with finding out something's going on that I heard about. Um, that's really important. Um, for several years now, I've had a coach. So mm. I've got a coach that I meet with every two weeks. Um, that has been just extremely helpful to work some ideas out and, and mm-hmm. to help me when I'm struggling or I'm having struggles with my with my team. And then, you know, pr- probably the biggest just hack of a tool is just get yourself in a routine. You don't have to do everything, but whatever you do, just do it consistently. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty disciplined about my, my daily and weekly routines in terms of really just uh, how I make go about my day, how I prioritize things, because you got to prioritize because you're never going to get the to-do list done. Well, thank you for sharing all that. So, so much good stuff there. Uh, a couple final questions I'd love to delve into. Um, first, what's one thing that most of your banker peers don't know about you? Well, this is a really good one. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I like to, to work with my hands. I like to do things. So uh, I like to build stuff. I'm a, I'm a uh, C-level um, like A, B, C, A, B, and great, mm-hmm. C, B, and okay, uh, carpenter, mm-hmm. plumber, electrician. I can do a lot of those things with, with my hands, and I enjoy doing those kind of things um, because you can kind of start and finish a project mm-hmm. and, and see the end result. Um, so I love to build stuff, uh, whereas what we do at the bank every day, you know, it's like this ongoing thing mm-hmm. that you – you never really step back from and say, I finished that. And so there's some sense of uh, accomplishment that comes from, uh, you know, fixing a busted pipe or mm-hmm. uh, running a new uh, spotlight on the outside of your house or whatever it is. <laughs> Very cool. I guess we get a, a little window into a couple of recent projects, it sounds like. <laughs> So we we talked about you know the opportunity for community banks right now to to go out and compete. You know, I I've had several. I'd be curious your perspective on this. I've had many of my friends who have businesses approach me recently and say, you know, maybe I should consider doing business with a community bank. What what's your answer when you you hear from folks who maybe are working with a national regional bank today who say, why why would I want to work with a community bank? Yeah. Well, you know, earlier in the conversation, we were talking about something and it was like, you don't know what you don't know, Mm -hmm. going out and seeing what other, I mean, some people have been with some of these larger banks for so long. It's kind of like, you know, the frog in the pot of water that doesn't realize it's boiling. It's just been the temperatures turned up. So I just tell people, I'm like, you should try it. Come, I, I try to get them to come do business with us, obviously, but I tell people all the time, like, if you want to do business with us, like go try another community bank, because I think what you're going to see is it's just a totally different feeling um, that you get. And, and, you know, having somebody that, you know, all the great tools are awesome, the ease of doing business electronically and digitally. 
but it's also good to have somebody's cell phone number, you know, that you can call and say, Hey, I got a problem and I need help. And so I I think that uh, people don't realize the level of service they could get and, and that uh, people tend to underestimate how important they are. You know, they, they, well, my business is small. Well, it's important to us. And so I, I think they just need to go do business with the community bank and see what it's like. Great perspective. Even even my my attitude is even if it starts as a secondary relationship, and, and particularly over the last few months, I think people have awakened to, I probably need a, a second bank uh you know, particularly when some of the ones that we've had some challenges with or disappeared were not ones that were on people's radars as ones that were likely to to go away. Absolutely. I mean, had a recent experience where a former neighbor of mine who's a, a physician called me up and said, hey, Heath, I know you've been on me forever about doing business with y'all and I haven't, but now I'm concerned because I've got, I need to spread my money out a little bit. And, uh, and so I got him lined up, you know, with, with one of our bankers and several days later, I get this text from him. It's like, Heath, I had no idea y'all made it so easy mm. on me. I'm busy. You know, I always feel like I'm burdening people cause I'm asking for this extra help cause I'm so busy, but y'all made it easy for me. And that's what we try to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's just a great value of the community bank and, now we can leverage that with the technology like we're talking about. It's the best of both worlds. That's right. That's right. Well, last question, and unfortunately we're running up against time, but what a what a fun conversation as I knew we would have. What would you say is the thing you're most excited about as you think about the bank and, and the rest of 2023? You know, we talked earlier about being able to control and access our own data. And so this mm-hmm. is something we've been building. And so we're now finally first getting to our first few use cases to actually utilize that. Mm. And so I'm really excited about seeing how that works. How quickly are we able to do things? How will that help our adoption with things? What insights can we gain about our customers and and, and what kind of results can we get? So we're working through, you know, our use cases there and, and getting some of those lined up. And so that's probably the thing, you know, that I'm, I'm most excited about. And it's great in this kind of environment as business has kind of slowed down in general and we're more internally focused. It's a great time to say, hey, we got this captive audience that's already doing business mm-hmm. with us. How can we help them better? Well, I, I have a feeling we're going to have to revisit some of that <laughs> because, I mean, it sounds like a new set of superpowers that you and your team are going to have that is going to give you such an opportunity to, as you said, better serve and probably come up with a lot of new solutions to uh, retain and and attract new customers as well. So super excited. Well, he, thank you so much for the conversation uh, for, for your leadership in this industry. And, and thank you also for the partnership uh, at Bank Tech Ventures as well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.